Welcome to the Marketing Science Podcast, the podcast for sales and marketing professionals working within science, engineering, and healthcare. My name is Frank Barker, your co-host for season three. This week's guest is Ben Stibbs Eaton, who heads up the SEO copywriting team at ASO Network and is currently seeking representation for his first novel. Uh, we're going to be talking to Ben about SEO and content creation. My first question to Ben was, why should marketers be focused on SEO? The reason to focus on SEO really is because it is effective. Um, changes in rankings will have a tangible impact on your site. We already see this. Over 50% of marketers already believe that SEO is critical to their marketing strategy. So we know that the trend is towards more and more people believing that it is important. It is something to focus on. But with us in the scientific community, uh, I think that's probably a little bit less. We are seeing that increase is a little bit slower. People are a little bit slower off the mark to understand the importance of SEO and even understand what it actually does, uh, what the purpose of it is. You know, we throw a lot of acronyms at clients in marketing. Um, and I think some maybe think SEO is just another buzzword. But, you know, flashback to last year, and I think the pandemic turned a lot of heads. People realized that they can't just rely on having a physical presence at a trade show anymore and that they need to up the SEO game. and They need to up, well, up their digital marketing anyway. Um, and a lot of people are coming to SEO you know, on the back of that, I think. Well, speaking from a privileged position where we've seen the light, 50% still seems quite low. Um, But you you say that it it makes a a massive impact on on your website, specifically from like a conversion rate perspective. Like how important is is an increase from 1% to 2% conversion? Oh, Oh, it's enormous. If you think about the the sort of metrics we're dealing with on Google now. I say Google because Google accounts for over 92% of the entire search market. So Bing, Yahoo, and everything else, they have to split a measly 8% among themselves. Um, Google processes about, you know, almost 4 million searches every single minute. And then factor in that less than 20% of people scroll past page one. And then factor in that the top spot gets almost a third of all clicks on a particular search. The difference is incremental from position three to position one. And if you drop below position 10, you're essentially dropping off a cliff. Um, So without those rank factors in place, um, you know, it's impossible to really compete with your competitors who potentially are in position two, three. Yeah. So very, very, it's of utmost importance. Yeah, absolutely. And it should be the bedrock of anybody's digital marketing strategy. Interestingly, we're on three minutes now, so we've already had 12 million searches in the last three minutes. <laughs> that's, that's mind-blowing, isn't it? Yeah, it's madness. Apparently, it's it's getting to a, I think I read 2.2 trillion searches a year, I think, on Google. So it just shows you the sort of, sort of numbers. And obviously, the, the only reason that they are getting so many searches is because people are looking to find it quickly and it just shows that if people aren't scrolling past page one, they're finding what they're after quickly. Uh, so it just shows how effective Google is at actually presenting people with what they're looking for. And that kind of leads you into why marketers need to focus on it, because if we aren't adhering to their rank factors um, and we aren't trying to put in like solid principles, solid SEO principles, we're never going to be you know, authoritative enough and relevant enough um, that Google is going to put us in front of our clients, well, in front of our users, sorry. Yeah. Well, there's another 4 million just as you've given that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll stop it now. Um, You talk more just about the the solid understanding of SEO principles. 
Um, they have, well, I suppose the SEO principles haven't changed over time, but Google's effectiveness at enforcing those principles has. Can you expand a bit more on that? Yeah, yeah. So the, as you said, the, the way that Google actually sorts these rankings out has changed in that it's constantly updating the algorithm to make things more effective, to get those rankings in front of people quicker, and to make sure that everything is um, as relevant as possible. Okay. On top of all of that, what has always been the driving principles has been expertise, authority, and trust. If you can nail those three, then you're always in a good position to compete for higher rankings. Obviously, there is more specifics that you can dive into, but that's what you should be aiming for. Yeah, and EAT, expertise, authority, and trust, becomes more important when it when it's your money and your life. Are there any other industries or subject areas where where those become of utmost importance? Um, there is a lot, to be honest with you. It really varies. It's um, like I said, it's anything in finance related, health related, uh, anything that could be perceived as I think. Um, like liability on Google's point of view. If Google is putting things in front of people that it then could end up being liable for because somebody has clicked, like they've searched a query, they've clicked on a ranking and Google has put that in front of them. I don't actually know if they are liable, but I do think they they typically try and they go for an ethical slant on it essentially to basically not put that sort of content that could end up as a litigation issue in front of users. Yeah, finance and health, your money or your life. Very good. Um all right, so moving on. So whereabouts do you start? I mean, you guys have done the SEO for us. I've got some fantastic um, Google Sheets where there's keywords, rankings, research, and then tracking. Um, can you just tell us a bit about the process of, of how you work with a with a business and uh, where you start from a keyword perspective? Keywords are the starting point usually um, because obviously they are the bedrock of your SEO strategy typically. Um, so what we tend to do when a new client comes on board, we will troll their site. We'll look for a few relevant terms using a bit of intuition. Um, and once we've got a list of, say, 50, maybe more, uh, we try and validate the value of those terms by checking their search volume. And then from there, you can use a range of different tools to check out long and short tail variations of them. You can look for semantically related terms. And then that, again, expands the list even further. And then from there, you can also just go direct to the competitor. If you know who these people are competing with, you can have a look at their site, see what they're competing for, and then maybe go toe-to-toe with them. Um, so there's a lot of options as to where you start. And then you will use that to essentially optimize the site. And then the ranking report that you develop from that. So when I say ranking report, we will optimize the site and then establish from the outset where you're already ranking for these terms, just to give us a benchmark to prove our return on investments, essentially. This is how we have performed since you've come on board. And then what we do from that, we can draw uh, our content plan from that keyword report as well. So the keywords really are critical. They for, inform everything that you do. Um, and then once once you have the keywords, uh, it, it's, it's time to write the blog article. It's not a natural skill that everybody has. It doesn't come naturally. I have to work hard on it when I, when I do it. What tips have you got as a writer um, for when you're producing that written content? I had a quick thought earlier on. There's a few different things that I would share, but I think the one that people don't seem to pick up on, um, and it, it's, it's quite obvious when you look at it, um, but if you don't know what to look for, then I suppose you know, it can go over your head. Uh, just pilfer the knowledge cards on Google. So if you put your keyword into Google and if a featured snippet or if people also ask box comes up, that information is essentially what Google is saying is the 
cream of the crop for that particular term. So you know that that's of high value. If you want to achieve some high rankings, that's the sort of stuff you need to be putting out there. So let's say, as I said, people also ask boxes where you get a list of questions, you click on each individual one, and you'll get a list of URLs. You can just use most of those questions as subtitles in your actual blog, or you could pick one of the questions, validate the search volume for that entire question, and then use that as a title. And again, you know, you, you're not only then competing for higher rankings, you're also competing for these knowledge cards, which I think we'll talk about voice search, you know, down the line. But it's another way to compete for not just, you know, desktop or smartphone rankings. You're also competing for voice search through that. So that's my top tip, I'd say. Yeah. You say validate the search volume. So what, what's the, what's your process between getting the right search volume? What's the sweet spot between search volume and keywords? Yeah, it, it, just, there's no like golden rule, really. Obviously, if there's no searches per month for a short tail term, it's probably not worth even considering. If it's a long tail term uh, with no searches, but there is a short tail term within it, so let's say we have a full question as what is the best mass spectrometer or whatever. I'm sure there probably is some search volume for that, but let's say there's zero. That might still be worth searching because it contains a shorter tail one in there. So I won't get lost on that, but there are complexities to it. As I said, that's why there's no golden rule. So we will just, we'll check. And if there's anything from between say 10 and 100,000 searches per month, it might be worthwhile. You just need to dig into it a little bit more and see, can I actually compete for this term? Let's say if it's 100,000 searches and you're a startup, it might be very, very difficult to, you know, compete for that term. That's not to say it's not valuable. It's just to, you know, say, manage expectations a little bit. If it was a client who came to me with a a term they really wanted to rank for and it's 100,000 searches per month and they don't have a massive domain authority, they don't have a lot of budget to work with, I would just try and manage those expectations and say, look, this is going to be tricky. We can go for it, but it will be tough. That leads on to the next question. Which are your favorite SEO tools? What do you like to use and how do they help you do your job? Um, so uh, SEMrush is probably the most important tool that I have. We use Google Analytics too, uh, but SEMrush for me particularly, I just find it is incredibly useful. We use it for finding keywords, uh, tracking the positions of uh, rankings on sites. Uh, we can pick up toxic backlinks through SEMrush as well. There's a whole content marketing suite of tools in there which help me write my articles. It picks up semantic-related terms that I should be using in different blogs. It can inform you on the sort of length that you should be aiming for with a particular piece of content. Um, so that is incredible. It's really, really useful, and I'd encourage anybody who is you know, trying to work through some sort of digital marketing strategy like this to at least try it out. And then, yeah, Google Analytics has been our go-to for detailed reporting for the last few years, but we are in the process of moving over to um, Azo Intel, which is obviously our proprietary platform. Um, and the benefit of that is that it's giving our clients real-time reporting with intuitive insights. So it just it feels a little bit um, death by graph and more intelligible for the actual user. So we are moving towards that as well. So how important is biocentric content? So by that mean we mean focusing on the reader um, and including other rich media. You know the sort of little podcast snippets, little videos, uh, pictures, even uh, how. I mean, that, that's very important for the user experience, but how does that sort of tie into SEO? 
in the last couple of years, Google's obviously tried to move towards um, something that is a lot more intelligible. Uh, their algorithm, sorry, is a lot more intelligible in that it is trying to focus in on the user experience. So it's less about having a particular keyword at a certain amount of density scattered at this many increments throughout a page with a title of this many pixels, etc., etc. These are like the classical on-page rank factors that it would use. They're trying to move to something that is a little bit more sophisticated, that is considering how the user experience actually unfolds over the page. So are there images on there that are going to break up the text? Is the text incredibly long, not broken up? Is it difficult to read? Things like that are actually becoming rank factors in their own right. So if people aren't inclined to write high-quality content with a really good user experience... It is important to do so because your SEO strategy isn't going to succeed otherwise. It is this, people have in the past have always seen it as a balancing act between writing for Google and writing for the reader. There's no real like dividing line anymore. You're trying to do both because both are as important as each other. Yeah, I've seen some fantastic written word content, but it's the, you know, if it's just chunks of text, um, mm-hmm. like, even if it's poorly formatted, just like no titles, no subtitles, no, no paragraphs. It's just you find yourself. It's mentally taxing to read, mm-hmm. and it could be you know it could be the best prose in the world. But it's if it's not got if it's not got a picture or, or something that accompanies and helps you know adds a bit of visual value to it, then it's it's really hard to read. And, you, and I think yeah. our, our brains have been a, become, become accustomed and ch- tuned into that that it it knows that this isn't a usual piece of content anymore. It's just a block of text. Yeah, exactly. You, you need the videos, you need the you need the subtitles, you need the sort of jumping off points so that the eye can scan and read it. Yeah, well, just as a aside on that as well, because obviously I, I do some of my own personal writing and I've had people look over things for me in the past. And if I have sent it, to, I've tried multiple different ways. I've had people read my stuff on a Kindle. I've had them read it on a Word document. I've tried it on the phone. I've printed it out. And... I'd say probably 90% of the time people really struggle just scrolling on a Word document because it's just, I'd put it in context, it's say 90 to 100,000 words of content and it's just text all the way through and people struggle constantly to do it and you know, I could take that personally because I'm thinking, you know, is it not very good or, but it is, it's just, it's really difficult to just read that much text on a screen. If you put that onto paper, it's a lot easier uh, but obviously, you know, we're in digital marketing, not paper marketing, so... Indeed. So moving on, uh, are, are the links to your content uh, from reputable sources, are they as important as producing good quality content? Uh, how, how does that work these days? I, I, I still get approached for people like, from Link Farms so that we could get a link from Azo Network, from Azon, from Azo Nano or whatever it is. What, what's the current standing on that? It's a tough one because obviously links are still really important, as you said, only if they're relevant. So we're lucky in that we have the Azo platforms to open up links that they have, you know, their authority is already baked in. Like they're incredible sources of traffic. Um, they are authoritative sources that hundreds of thousands of people visit routinely. Um, so if we open up a link from one of the Azo network platforms to one of our client sites, then that is a really good reputable link. But with some backlinks, as I mentioned before, there are toxic ones which can actually harm your site. If it's coming from a disreputable source, uh, you can be penalized. On the other hand, there is never a negative to having good quality content on your site. So the way I tend to look at it is there's no downside to having good quality content. There is a potential downside of having a poor quality link. So obviously, I'm always coming at it from the point of view that content trumps links. But you know, there is value in reputable link sourcing. 
And I think uh, only the most cynical of us don't have Amazon or Google or or um, or Siri voice search working. We, we're all pretty familiar with, you know, play the radio, what's the weather like, uh, how's my journey, that kind of thing. How, well, how popular is it now for just standard voice search if you want to find out facts? And, and how do you optimize content for that? Yeah, it is growing. And like you said, it, the examples are perfect for what people are seeing in terms of trends. Um, you know, how is my journey? Like, how long will it take me to get to here and things like that? That is typically like local content. Oh, so local searches, sorry. So near me related voice searches, what is going on in this local area or on my route? Uh, they've spiked enormously. So local SEO is becoming really important. We're also seeing things like uh, terms with question-based modifiers are increasing massively through voice search. So any long tail search then with what, why, where, how, those sorts of things are becoming increasingly prevalent. One of the ways that you can try and account for that if you really did want to you know, tr- actively try and compete for voice search, I'm not entirely sure we're actually at that point yet where people need to be worrying about competing for it because what happens is when you ask one of those questions, uh, your Alexa or your Google, your Google Home, essentially um, tries to prioritize the featured snippet in Google. So everything that is on you know, position one, if it's got one of the knowledge cards, it's going to try and pull the information from that. So anything that you're doing with your larger SEO strategy is going to be benefiting you from a voice search point of view. Um, but as I said, if you do want to specifically try and go for that, uh, longer tail keywords will be good because people tend to speak in full sentences, whereas they tend to type search in keywords. So instead of chopping out the ifs and buts, what, things like that, the little connective tissue of the sentence, you might want to actually optimize the article for the full sentence rather than optimize it for just a little chopped up short tail keyword. All right, so so knowledge cards or, or featured snippets, they're, they're one and the same. Mm-hmm. Op, you know, optimize for that as part of your SEO strategy, and that's what the uh, well, you, you've already dropped the A bomb. So everybody's everybody's speakers are going off right now. <laughs> so moving on, how do you think uh, that artificial intelligence uh, will impact content creation and writing? Uh, I, I saw some silly stats. There's there's already you know an enormous amount of content. Uh, available on the internet now and it's only ever going to increase and increase and increase especially with tools like ai is that good or or a bad thing what do you think well i don't know i I grew up on the terminator so i'm inherently distrustful of ai um but i can't imagine skynet is going to be writing my articles for me in the near future i think it should be okay i should be in a job for the foreseeable future but jokes aside there are already um you know small AI tools that you can use and that I am actively using uh, to supplement the blog work. So on SEMrush, there is a, forgive me, I can't remember the actual word, the name of the tool, but there is a content marketing tool in there um, where you can actually write your text within SEMrush. Uh, and it will, if you put in your target keyword, it will crawl the results pages for that term. And it will suggest titles, subtitles, the optimal keyword density, the type of tone of voice you should be looking for, the ideal length of the article versus your competitors and things like that. Um, and that is all just algorithmically generated through SEM Rush. It's completely AI based. Obviously, it is very, very simplistic compared to what we are talking about in terms of automatically generated content full stop but it is a stepping stone on the way to, you know, potentially fully automated content generation, which is 
slightly scary, but I know I, I still think that is a long way away. Yeah, and I think there are always some funny stories. I saw one which was about the England rugby team. So in in rugby, just for people across the pond, there's a position called hooker, and that, that's like that'd be like a tight end or a front alignment or whatever running back. And it said English hooker starts for the Lions. And that got translated by, it must have been an AI tool or somebody who didn't know, you know, that you couldn't just drop the word hooker for the word prostitute. English prostitute starts for the Lions. <laughs> and it was, it was just one of those where you go, oh, yeah, that's probably somewhat, it's probably a, a tool or something. Well, in a similar one, did you see there was a, um, They've, they've tried to automate the camera tracking in some football, so soccer mm. games. Um, and I saw a series of videos from a game where the camera is automatically trained on the football. It's supposed to follow the football around the pitch, essentially. But the one of the linesmen, uh, so again, people across the pond, uh, one of the fellows at the side of the pitch who was running up and down, uh, happened to have a completely shaved head and the camera kept tracking back to his his head and missing all the action and just focusing in on him. So I do think there is a long way to go before AI systems are putting us all out of a job. Yeah. So line, a bald linesman or touch judge or <laughs> assistant referee, arbitrator, arbitrator. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, there's, there's always great stories like that. Um, mm. I think we'll probably be safe for a job for the next five to 10 years at least, which would be yeah. all right. I wonder what we're doing in 30 years though. <laughs> wow. Well, thanks for sharing sharing some of your, your stories at work, but just want to move on now because um, you are – the uh you are our, our original paperback writer you're from mm-hmm. you're from liverpool home of the beatles or near liverpool yeah across the water you can't say you can't yeah i get called a scouser every now and then but technically there's, there's strict limits on what actually constitutes a scouser and because i'm from across the water i don't count apologies there from from the world <laughs> we, we only grew up 30 miles away from each other but <laughs> what, what could have been frank <laughs> Um, so just tell us a little bit about your story and where you got your passion for writing. You've got a novel in, in the in the works, which is Seeking Representation. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. So I, it's current, well, currently out with a couple of agents. It's been a labour of love. It took me a long, long time to you know get it started. I started that while I was at university, and then you know as soon as you leave university, you have to get a real adult job, and you enter the world of saving up for a house and things like that. So it's been on and off for the last few years. Um, finally got it up to a standard that I think I'm you know, relatively happy with. I've had some good feedback and it's I've had good feedback in the past, but you know, you can tell when your loved ones are trying to basically placate you and say, Oh, you did such a good job, well done, it's really nice and all that. This has kind of changed now. It seems a little bit more objective. So I think maybe maybe I'm at a point where somebody professional might actually look at it and say, you know, there's something here. But as far as where the passion came from, um I've genuinely been writing for longer than i can remember um i've always read i read lord of the rings at a stupidly young age it took me a long time and i had to read it next to a dictionary to figure out what was going on but i think i was nine when i read the fellowship of the ring wow um and then i I think at some point i just sort of realized well i can read these books i could probably write one myself just started jotting things down when i was sat there in school i was meant to be doing maths i would actually be sat there writing about dragons and that's where it came from that's that's the pathway to becoming a content marketing manager awesome i remember trying to read lord of the rings in as a teenager i'd read the hobbit really good Mm. easy read and then moved on to lord of the rings and just just couldn't couldn't finish it it was too too heavy for me it's it's just yeah it's a steep incline it's tough even today i've tried i've reread it a couple of times and i still think it's a bit of a slog yeah i should revisit it but it's just too easy because hollywood have done it 
Mm. I'm, I'm an also to be. I'm a big fan of a lot of like readers are purists and they don't like to see them adapted into films. But I'm a big fan of adaptations when they're done well, and yeah. those Lord of the Rings adaptations are done well. Yeah, great series. Okay, just but quickly, you didn't tell us what the, what the novel was about. So oh no, no, it didn't. So, so yeah, yeah. So let's say so it's a fantasy story as well. Obviously, you probably could have guessed. Um, and it is about a, a teenage runaway who essentially comes head to head with a gang of extremists who are trying to unleash the the, the swamp magic uh, that threatens the soul of her hometown. And it's just about her trying to uh, basically it's a coming of age story. She's trying to navigate the politics of this little parochial town while also trying to save it from just well extinction awesome i look forward to reading it all right just to finish up a couple, couple of questions um what, what are your favorite resources and books to keep up with your day job for seo copywriting sure uh, again i've been banging on about seo rush i'm not on commission but it is a very very good resource and they've got a great blog and series of training articles and things like that so um whether you're just starting out or you know even if you are quite an experienced um marketer there's plenty of resources on SEM rush that you can be digging into is really useful um but as for like you know um recent news and emerging things to if i need to keep an eye on you know a recent algorithm update Search Engine Land is amazing, and Mars, but all really good research or really good resources. Sorry, uh, to keep up to date on the latest news um, and for getting you know takeaways and practical tips. Okay, and last question: How important is SEO going to be over the next two to three years? I think it's going to be it's going to continue on its upward trajectory. I think people, more people, are going to realize you know that they need to be getting on board with it. I know, obviously, you know touch wood we are at least in the uk anyway we're kind of coming out the other side of the pandemic as far as lockdowns and things like that go so while everything in the economy is opening up um i don't see the um the move towards digital marketing reverting alongside with things like trade shows opening back up i think that's here to stay now that people have realized we need to focus on digital marketing while we couldn't have a physical marketing presence um i think they're still going to see the value of that and maybe look to a hybrid model going forward um and also like i said before with the likes of local searches becoming more and more popular and more and more important with things opening up and people thinking, okay, I want to actually go to see, let's say somebody wants to go visit Wrexham for whatever reason, they're going to be Googling, how do I get to Wrexham? And people then in Wrexham are going to be able to be like, okay, well, you know, we've suddenly got this influx of people who are visiting Wrexham for the first time and they're going to be wanting a cafe. So cafes in Wrexham will become much more, you know, a higher volume term. And then cafes in Wrexham can, you know, optimize for it. And it's just those little minutiae um, I think people will be looking out for and smaller business and larger businesses alike are going to be getting on board with. Yeah, you say minutia, but those small details will make will have huge impacts in the future. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you think about what that means for obviously we're dealing with a big range of clients, a lot of them, you know, massive budgets. But if we pull it back a second and focus on say, as the cafe is a good example, if you, you see how restaurants and things like that, individual independent businesses, uh, they benefit so much from just reviews, uh, TripAdvisor and the likes of that. If you were to Google something, say, say you wanted to go out for lunch while you're in town one day and you think, okay, what, what do I fancy? I fancy a Chinese in Manchester. You're going to typically just go to the top result. And what that means, if that top result is an independent business, as far as what their uh, return on investment is, what that the effort put in to achieve that ranking, it's infinite. Mm. So yeah, I think it is going to be incredibly important. Excellent. 
All right. Thanks a lot, Ben, for your expertise. No problem. Thanks for having me. Big thank you to Ben Stibbs Eaton there, the head of SEO and copywriting at Azo Network. If you would like to learn more about SEO and copywriting, visit azonetwork.com and search for SEO. You can also learn more about how to launch your own science podcast by visiting azonetwork.com slash podcasts. We'll be back next week with another guest from the world of marketing science. Thanks for listening. <laughs>